Hey, and welcome back to Locked on Grizzlies. It's a fun season. The Grizzlies won 56 games. But today, uh, me and my co-host, Sean Coleman, we're going to talk about some of those fun moments before we get to what everyone wants to discuss, and that's the next thing on the schedule. But everyone, welcome back to Locked on Grizzlies. I am your co-host, DeMichael Cole, beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. I'm joined here by Sean Coleman, and we're here to talk about the Grizzlies, this great season that they've had. Uh, it's been a long season. We're finally to the part. You know, Sean, I think we've been waiting on this part of the season for about two weeks now. The Grizzlies clinched that number two seed two weeks ago. And for the past couple of weeks, the only thing that I feel like that's been relevant outside of the rest rust factor is getting Ja Morant back healthy. He's back now, Sean. And it's about to get fun. But before we get to that fun, Sean, I think it's a it's a lot of things that have happened throughout the course of this season because it wasn't just smooth sailing for this team. You know, I looked back at the 56-win team in 2012-2013. They kind of, you know, were pretty steady throughout the season. This team started off 9-10, and 10, Sean. Absolutely. Before we get into that, we certainly want to get into introductions. Welcome to Locked On Grizzlies, DeMichael Cole, giving you the honest truth, and myself, Sean Coleman, the undeniable eye candy. <laughs> Kidding aside. No, DeMichael, you're right. First off, welcome back, man. Evidently, whew, this weather is, hope, hope, wherever you are and wherever you're listening, man, you're you're doing good with this weather. Whew, it's, been, it's been a crazy day. But to be honest with you, you're right. Um, you know, you're right. The 12-13 team, they, they got off to a great start. You know, they, they they got steady. They were going good. All this different stuff. It was kind of, you know, a steady climb. But for this Grizzlies team, and this is what makes it even more spectacular, right? Past Thanksgiving, like the Grizzlies are 30 games over 500. But they started out 12-12. and 12. There were what, and I'm going to be a game or two off. 45 and 15 over their last 60 games of the year. And I'll actually tell you this. One of the more fun moments to see was even though they started off 12 and 12, they got their butts handed to him quite a bit in the first you know few months of the season. John Morant staying steady as a clear superstar. Like it's not that he took a while to get going. He absolutely stood out from the start of the season but it was him consistently being able to step up and deliver wins in the first part of the season that, that really propelled this team. Even though that they were going through their defensive struggles without Dylan Brooks, he helped keep them afloat and give them enough of a basis to where when they lost him, but when they got everybody back after Thanksgiving, they really took off. So, you know, even though the Grizzlies struggled for about that first fourth of the season, I actually think it paid dividends because it allowed for this team to really be able to see, okay, even though we're not having anything hardly besides Jaw and Desmond hit on the cylinders that it needed to, we could still get the job done. And even though they were 500, they still had John Morant playing like a superstar. Yeah, and these times that, that Sean are, are talking about right now are times where I was still in Philadelphia. So uh hard I, times. Hard, I didn't hard, get to win hard times. Now, you know, being a Memphis native myself, I did, you know, uh, have access and watch some of those games. And what I remember is the team was 9-9, and John Morant gets hurt. Non-contact injury, you're playing against the Hawks in the FedEx form. Everyone's holding their breath. They get blasted that game. Now you're 9-10. and 10. You don't know how long John Morant's going to be out. 
And Sean, it felt like at that point, people were starting to mail it in from afar. It almost felt like people were like, you know what? Uh, it is what it is. But that was when this team's identity started to form. That was when Tyus Jones stepped into the starting lineup. Then they went 10 and 2. And, you know, they had some struggles. And, you know, John Morant first got back, and there was the whole fan telling him, you know, the team is better without him, and it got to him and like that. But then I got on the job around that time, so I can really remember what happened after that. And that's when they went 11 games in a row, franchise record. And this team, I mean, didn't look back. You know, usually when teams go on a hot streak like that, you expect them to cool down more to the mean. But we saw this team have what? I believe it was three seven-game win streaks. Like, this is just pretty much who they are. And it was so many different factors. I think um, the best stretch came during that 11-game win streak when, I mean, I, I was going back and looking at my stories from January, Sean, and there were six, seven players in COVID protocols at a, at a time at a point. I mean, and, and, I mean, they were winning. They were winning games where everyone was just coming in and out of the, the COVID protocols. And, and, and I mean, it, it's kind of crazy to look back on it because you're talking, you know, DeAnthony Melton, Kyle Anderson, uh, Dylan Brooks, you know, missed a lot of that time as well. And even when Dylan Brooks got back, he played a quarter in, you know, he played a quarter. And I think in the second quarter, early in the second quarter, he got hurt. So he didn't even get to play a full game by the time he got back in early January. So through all of that, I think that stretch built the mental toughness. You know, you could say the stretch, you know, going nine and 10, and then they had to, you know, they had the meeting, uh, the players only beating and all that, that builds mental toughness too. But I think when players are in and out of the lineup and you're still winning, that's when you have that confidence. And you say, oh, just wait till this guy gets back too. Or wait till that guy gets back and, and we can really do some damage. Can we make it through a show without you acting like you're the one that sparked the Grizzlies' her terrific run this season? I mean, John. for those who are new to the – no, I'm going to tell the story. For those that are new to the show, it was the NBA trade deadline, and Michael <laughs> asked a wonderful question like he always does, and Zach Kleiman just so happened to attribute the Grizzlies' hot run for the last four months of the season to DeMichael Cole coming on as the commercial appeal beat writer. And, and we haven't not heard the story since. I'm kidding, all joking aside. But let's go back to when you came. I believe that it was your first or second week here. What really stood out to me was that the Grizzlies went 10-2 and two or so, and then they got John Morant back, and it was right around Christmas time. And they lost three in a row. Um, yep. and if I think to like Golden State and, and Portland, you know, two two inexplicable losses back to back. Well, then to start off that eleven game winning streak, they had a game against Phoenix in which John mm. Morant and Desmond Payne had over sixty combined points. And then the next Monday night that they did that on their own in Phoenix, the next Monday night they went and they played James Harden and Kevin Durant on the road, and they beat them because John Morant and Desmond Payne had a combined sixty plus points. That right there, really, to me, I know that we had talked about them having a turning point, but that right there really hinted to me that this team not only was going to make this into a special season, but they truly were top five in the NBA potential level as a team. And that's what it turned out being, second best record in the, in the association this year. But I think that weak stretch where they beat, where they beat Phoenix in a, in a pretty in a nail-biter on the road, and then the next week they came back and they beat Durant and Harden, that actually to me was not necessarily a turning point, but that was like you were kind of playing Mario Kart. You hit that speed boost 
that get you to the top of the Western Conference standings. That, to me, stood out as a, an important stretch of the season. Yeah, it, it, it was the sustainability for me. You know, when they had that hot streak, you know, a lot of those teams, you know, they they, they missed players and, and things like that. So just from the critics' standpoint, it was the Grizzlies are playing really, really well. But they beat Phoenix. I believe DeAndre Aiden was out that game, and, and it was noticeable. You know, Steven Adams had a really good game. So I was like, okay, see them, you know, DeAndre Aiden gets back. Then you turn around, you beat, like you said, you beat the Nets. It's like, okay, you know, I believe there's no Kyrie. So, okay, really good win as well. But um, obviously not the – and then there was the Lakers in there. I believe Anthony Davis had just gotten hurt at that point. So it's like, okay, no Anthony Davis. Let's see how they sustain this over time. And then the win started stacking up. Then they started stacking up. Then – the most impressive part was Sean. Every time they lost the game, they win the next one. They didn't have from mid December, like when you the, the losing streak that you just mentioned that I believe happened around the 18th, 19th, 20th of December, somewhere in that range. After that losing streak happened, they didn't lose back to back games again until the first game after the All-Star break and the last game before the All-Star break. I believe the dates were February 16th and February 24th, somewhere in that range. But they didn't lose two games in a row for two months after that. Anytime they lost in January or February up to that point, it was answered with a win. And that's when I knew. That's when I knew. This, this team, I mean, that's that's the trait of the great teams have. I don't think the Grizzlies had a losing streak of more than three games this entire season. Absolutely. And that you are correct. The thing that the Grizzlies were doing, and I mentioned it back in December, I mentioned it back in January, when overall you had so many teams in the Western Conference kind of get jumbled up, you're not going to have many teams have this one stretch of 10 wins in 12 games or, you know, nine wins in 13 games or what have you. The Grizzlies had like four or five of them. And that's what separated them, you know, when, when it comes to stacking the wins up. Speaking of that, so, Michael, I could tell you a way for you to be able to stack up wins, and that's prize picks. Prize picks is a great opportunity for you to be able, yourself, to win by choosing the players that you root for as a way to be able to bet on them being able to earn you a bit of money. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. You basically have the opportunity to pick Steven Adams, and you can project that he'll get five offensive rebounds in a game and be amazed when he does exactly that. For a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free. If a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point, but you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to locked on fans. Sign up today and use the promo code NBA $50 for free. If a player in your first prize pick entry scores a single point. DeMichael, I'll ask you this question. It comes to betting and wagering on sports, I know that I enjoy wanting to say that the Grizzlies are one of the best bets out there. But, hey, when it comes to baseball, I would say this. There's a lot of good bets out there when it comes to the Braves, right? Yeah, oh, 100%. And, and, and I mean, even when they win, Sean, they don't they don't get the Dodgers like credit. So, so, yeah, there's a lot of good bets made out there for the Braves right now. Absolutely. I mean, that's what happens when you win the 2022 World Series title. 
When it comes to betaline.net, it's the fastest and easiest way for you to bet on all things that you enjoy. Listen, I know that NCAA basketball is over. I know that it's the NBA playoffs, but you've got boxing, UFC, golf. So many fun things going on. As a matter of fact, you even got the drafts. The WNBA draft was last night. You may be even able to bet and wager on who gets picked first. Whatever you choose to bet and wager on, make sure you check out betaline.net, like the mobile device or laptop if you're choosing the fastest and easiest way for you to bet on all your sports check and action check on bet online today i almost said bet online chicken i i don't know i must have had because i had a really good chicken dinner or yeah, so I hope, it, I hope it was good it's unbelievable my wife's cookie when it comes to chicken betonline.net she's a guaranteed win that was horrible <laughs> On tomorrow's edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, listen, we're going to get right into the reaction to tonight's game against the Clippers and the Timberwolves. One of the benefits of the Grizzlies being the number two seed in the West, they're going to know who their opponent is after tonight's game. We'll have it all the breakdowns for you, including a special potential crossover episode with Locked On Clippers on Locked On Wolves. Just a lot of me and DeMichael bad-mouthing either host. It's, it's going to be like those it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough blood out there. But, but like, yeah, said, absolutely, absolutely. No, <laughs> no, no love loss. No love loss. All joking aside, check out the Locked Grizzlies podcast tomorrow for the latest as we begin to break down the Grizzlies' 2022 first round playoff opponent. So we talk about the Grizzlies exceeding expectations. To Michael, they had those special runs in December early January, but then we get into late January, and then we really start to see the level to which Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant really, really stand out. What I'm talking about is this. Jaron Jackson Jr., his January was historic in terms of defensive activity. It really propelled him to being at the forefront of the defensive player conversation. And then from January into February before the All-Star break, John Morant went, such, went on such a scoring tear that only Kevin Durant and LeBron James scored more than John Morant over a 20-game stretch since 2000 for players that are 22-year-olds or younger. That's how special of a level both John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. stepped up. So it was not only the Grizzlies surprising people, but it was Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant coming into their own as one of the best defensive and offensive players in the game. And that's that's the duo that that you know really drives this thing. You know, Ja and, and from an offensive standpoint, and and Jaron, you know, defensively as well. But but yeah, those are those are two of the big factors, and and, and they both had you know some crazy good games in this stretch. You you talk about Ja. I think a turning point for Ja Morant was when Desmond Bain uh, went 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 in and went into protocols in that mid to late January. Uh and, and Bain missed three games. Grizzlies went one and two. Did not look like the same team at all without Desmond Bain. I've I've written about how you know he is such a connector for them in terms of spacing, in terms of you know playmaking, and all of these things that Desmond Bain does. Uh, they they did not look good. They they got beat by Milwaukee. They I think they beat the Nuggets, and then they lost to the Mavs. It was a three game stretch in there, and the takeaway was John Morant. What he did offensively in those games was was amazing. I mean he he really took his aggression to a whole new level. And Sean, to this day, I haven't seen him, you know, channel it back since then. I mean, that was when, you know, when I first got here, I would see John Morant score and I'd be like, man, he could, if he wanted to, 
you know, like you say with a lot of point guards in the early 2000s, like the Chris Paul, Steve Nash, uh, those type point guards, Magic Johnson, you'd say, man, if they wanted to, they could average 25 points. They just don't want to. They'd rather get other guys involved. And I asked you about that when I, early on when I was here because I was interested. It's like, Josh scoring 21 points a game, 22 points a game, and he's making layups with ease. So he's like, oh, you know, he likes to get his guys involved. But when Desmond Bain went down specifically, when he was out of the lineup, Josh was scoring 35, 35, 30. And like you said, that 20-game stretch he had was one of the best stretches for a player ever, 22 years of age. And he hasn't slowed down since then. I mean, it was my, – my question was, oh, okay, when Desmond Bain comes back in the lineup, will he keep that same aggression? Kept it. Oh, when Tyus Jones, because Tyus Jones was out as well. When Tyus Jones comes back into the lineup, will he keep that same aggression? Tyus Jones came back, kept that same aggression. Oh, what about when Dylan Brooks gets back? Oh, ho-hum, same aggressive John Morant. So um, that is a big factor. But, yeah, you talked about Jaron Jackson and uh, his defensive, you know, what he does on this team, you know, defensively can get lost in the scuffle because a lot of people just look at the blocks. But, Sean, one thing that he does is he covers so much space. And I see times even when defenders swing the ball and they see Jaron Jackson coming, the play is wiped out because he takes away what would be an easy shot, you know, just because they know a 6'11 guy is running at you. He's one of the better shot blockers in the NBA. And he covers a lot of space just coming from the weak side, whether it's getting blocks, whether it's changing shots. Um, I think about when they played the Bulls, you know, in that stretch. And DeMar DeRozan was the hottest player in the NBA, 35, 35 every night. And he was shooting over 50%. He didn't do that against the Grizzlies, in part because Jaron Jackson, when he switched on to him, it wasn't a mismatch. He couldn't dominate Jaron Jackson like he does a lot of these other big men. And that's going to play, you know, we're going to talk more about how that will play into the playoffs as well because that's all the playoffs is for these guys. It's a lot of skilled players attacking mismatches. And that's why when the when the Grizzlies late in the game, they put Jaron Jackson at center specifically because he can switch and hold his own against ones, twos, threes, fours, and fives. Everyone doesn't have that, you know, that ability. And you look at, you know, just teams in the past. I mean, look, the Jazz. The Jazz have been one of the top teams in the Western Conference the last three or four seasons. But in the playoffs, we've seen Rudy Gobert, you know, have some trouble in space against some of those shorter guys. But Jaron Jackson and John Morant, like you said, Sean, they they are, I mean, one guy controls everything offensively. The other guy is the main guy on defense. It's a lot of help around them, too, though. And you hit the nail on the head. One of the biggest reasons, one of the biggest narratives this year, the Grizzlies without John Morant. What have they done without John Morant? Well, I'll tell you again, as we mentioned multiple times, the biggest thing about it is, Michael, is that it's not about John Morant being missed. It's about other guys stepping up. And we talk about John, John and Desmond and Jaron coming into their own. But let's also not take the spotlight away from the resurgence of three players as well. Tyus Jones, Brandon Clark, and Stephen Adams. Three players whose season, whose seasons last year kind of left their career at a crossroads, right? You know, for Brandon Clark is, okay, what version are you? Your rookie year or your sophomore year? Tyus Jones, what is your real value outside of being a four general if you can't really shoot and score? And for Steven Adams, what value do you have if you're not going to be a defender, if you're only going to grab offensive boards? What have all three of those players done? They've come back and absolutely bought into really putting 
putting in the hard work this year, and all three of them have shown just how valuable they are to the Grizzlies' success. So while we're talking about young players coming into their own, and John, Jaron, and Desmond Bain to Michael, another really big narrative, a very significant narrative that was a big support source of success was the resurgence of Adams, Bain, and, and uh, Tyus Jones, or, or excuse me, Adams, Clark, and Tyus Jones as the season went along. Yeah, and the players talked about that too. In that nine and ten stretch when they started off, a big part of that was just getting used to playing with Stephen Adams. It was different. It, he's nothing like Jonas Valanciunas. Besides them both being six eleven huge guys, that'll that'll knock your shoulder out of place. There's nothing else, you know, similar uh, with their style of play. Jonas, you you can throw the ball to him and, and move out of the way. Uh, you can't really do that with Stephen Adams. But Stephen Adams, with his playmaking, what he's done, you know, for the DHOs and and, you know, how he's – him and Desmond Bain have such this nice connection. I mean, you know, Sean, on these back cuts and things like that. And I, I wrote a story just solely about the screens that Stephen Adams sets for John Morant. And, you know, he went up to John Morant early in the season. They had a talk, and he told him, you know, uh, we gave him a little couple tidbits. And him setting those screens and kind of like shielding the big man – while John Morant puts the, the guard defender on his back and gets an easy layup. We see that almost nightly at this point. And it's, it's little things like that where you, you, you don't see those things, you know, when they're in the locker room having those type of conversations. And then you mentioned those other guys, Tyus Jones. He had a moment like Ja did when John Morant was out. Tyus Jones, from an aggressive scoring standpoint, went to another level. So when Ja came back, had the same question. Is Tyus going to keep that same aggression? And he's kept it. It's 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 really interesting, and it's really interesting for a point guard because it's easy for him to oh, I'm back with the you know the reserve guys. I'm just going to get everyone involved and and you know score when I pick pick and choose my spots. Man, Tyus Jones is coming out there pulling up now. Like it, I was watching that game in Utah and just watching him just pull up and transition, and it's like, man, this dude is really like. He's really, you know, channeling his inner score ability. And Brandon Clark, I mean, what else can we say about this guy? He's one of the more efficient big men in the NBA. Sean, he, I don't know how many field goals he missed it, but I want to say it's 11 because he because he shot 10 two games ago, and I believe he needed 21 field goal attempts in the last two games to qualify to become the highest field goal percentage shooting season in Grizzlies history. That's a Sean stat for you. So I'm going to let Sean pick up uh, right off of that. But I mean, that just goes to show how, how efficient he was. I mean, watching him shoot that push floater, Sean, it's, it's automatic. I mean, that's, that's probably the most automatic shot on the entire Grizzlies team. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And so, yeah, he missed it by, by, tw- by uh, uh, 12 shots. Ask actually friend of the host and just wonderful basketball mind himself, Keith Parrish of fast break breakfast, bre- breakfast and uh, grit and grinds. He, he mentioned that, you know, he was 22 shots away, which is a shame, right? You know, you, you want for him to be able to qualify, but Hey, you know what? We don't need the numbers to know how special John Morant is, but I can tell you something else that you do need. You need a reminder that when it comes to the car parts that you need going into the spring, you need rockauto.com. Now, again, I'll be honest with you. I don't know much about repairing cars. DeMichael will lie to you and say that he does, but trust me, he doesn't. When it comes to car repairs, the one place for you to go to get all the car parts that you need, regardless of the make and model, regardless of the car parts themselves, is rockauto.com. Within a few clicks of the button, you'll find what you need. Family-owned business. They've been in business for over 20 years 
they know that car parts sometimes fall out of budget, so they try to make things as economically friendly as possible. When you visit rockauto.com, let them know the Locked On Podcast Network sent you. Rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you ever need. Visit rockauto.com. To Michael Cole, I know that we are Grizzlies fans. We both cover the Grizzlies as well. But playoff basketball is here tonight. And if you want to consider the play-in game kind of like the, you know, first first four of the NCAA, let, let that be the case. But important basketball is here. Seasons are going to be ended this week to Michael Cole. I'm excited. How about yourself? I'm excited. I like I like this little, you know, this little play-in thing. It gives me a a March Madness type feel to it. You know, last year it was so fun. I mean, I think back that that Lakers-Warriors game, that Grizzlies-Warriors game. Uh, this was fun last season. And, and the matchups this year, I mean, especially on the east side, and then this one that, you know, we're all going to be paying attention to the most. Um, there are some real good ones out there, but there's one in particular that we're going to focus on, Sean. DeMichael Cole, let's test your play-in tournament knowledge. DeMichael Cole, who is the all-time leading scorer in NBA play-in tournament history. I'm gonna say, I'm Sean. You you really thought I didn't know that one, did you? It's John Morant. Did you? you a, yes, it is. Yes, it is. A, a yes. Yeah. Now, now, well, here that's the whole thing, partner. We're here to give each other layups to boost the stats, man. Okay, <laughs> like a like a John Morant to Brandon Clark alley oop. It's converted. There we go. That absolutely is right. John Rant, the Grizzlies, listen, they've got more experience when it comes to the play-in tournament than anyone. But just to go to show how special this season is, they're the ones waiting for the play-in tournament. Now, a few weeks ago, we discussed of the teams that potentially could be in that seventh and eighth spot, who would we, who would we prefer when it comes to who the Grizzlies are going to face? And it finally you know, became clear that it was only either going to be the Minnesota Timberwolves or the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, DeMichael, we're not going to necessarily get into a preview of this game because we'll have plenty of time to preview who the Grizzlies are actually going to be facing. But these are two teams who, in their own way, certainly will provide, whoever it may be, certainly will provide the Grizzlies with a very tough matchup in the first round. But when you really look at things, when you really look and see what both teams have to offer, is there one that stands out more than the other as a preference for the Grizzlies to face? I think when we had this talk the first time I, I said the Clippers, but that's it's it's flipped, Sean. I think you want to play the Timberwolves right now. Um the Clippers got a little momentum going. And they also just got Paul George back, who everyone knows about that one. But pe enough people aren't talking about them getting Norm Powell back. Norm Norm Powell is a bucket. Uh Norman Powell is an NBA champion. Norman Powell averaged it's five games i think five or six games but he averaged 21 points a game with the clippers and just went out a little 25 minutes he is a bucket he averaged 19 for this season so i think those are your two best uh two those are the top two scores for the clippers right now healthy um to go with reggie jackson and, and marcus morris and defensively they remind me of the grizzlies but but in their own way because they can create that havoc that we talk about with the Grizzlies, but it's more natural with them. The Grizzlies is more system-based. With 
with the Clippers, it's simply because Paul George is 6'8 with long arms. Nicholas Batum is 6'8 with long arms. And Robert Covington is 6'8 with long arms. And he's been one of the best guys at steals and blocks in the NBA in the last five seasons. So they have that natural physicality. And they have Ty Lue, championship coach, proven winner. That's the matchup that I think you want to avoid right now. Plus the Timberwolves ended the season struggling a little bit. Um, and and I, I flipped it, Sean. I flipped it. Uh, I, I Timberwolves are great now. They're, they're a really good team. Uh, Chris Finch, really good coach, just got rewarded with an extension over there. So, so clearly they like what he's doing in, in the direction that they're going. But uh, I don't see uh, the Timberwolves as being a bigger test than that team in L.A. I'm going to stay true, and and again, it's going to be it's going to be Kawhi, Kawhi-less Clippers, because I think at some point, especially if the Clippers were to take one of the games against Memphis in Memphis, if it came to that, but I'm still going to stick with the Clippers. I I I think that the Grizzlies would be fine against the Timberwolves or the Clippers. I just really do think that stylistically the Grizzlies really, really match up well with the Clippers. Like, I know that they didn't have Paul George. I know they didn't have Norman Powell for these games earlier this season, but the Grizzlies were 4-0 in a plus 59 against the Clippers over four games. And the other two big factors is this, Michael, is that I think that John Morant is going to be a lot more effective against the Clippers than he would be against Minnesota, though Minnesota now has Robert Covington, Powell, and Paul George and others to throw at him, which is, you know, formidable. But the other key thing is, is that I just think that the Grizzlies will have an easier time establishing establishing their style of play and setting the tone for the game on a consistent basis early in the game against the Clippers than against Minnesota. So at the end of the day, I, I can see from an experience standpoint, from a personnel standpoint, why you would say Minnesota instead of the Clippers. But I think stylistically, I would take my chances against a Kawhi-less Clippers team yeah. than the Minnesota Timberwolves. This is this is when we have some fun, Sean. You know, we we we're always on the same page. So let's have, we're gonna have some fun with this because here's the thing. I think with the Timberwolves, this is why I think the Timberwolves are your your easier opponent because just looking at you know this whole talk about the playoffs and and, and the Grizzlies. Like I said, when I was in Utah, just talking to a lot of people around there because I feel like those are where you get the brutally honest opinions of those people who aren't here every single uh, day in Memphis, and they were saying, ah. Oh, paraphrasing but a lot of people don't think you know the grizzly style of play is built for the postseason you know that's that's the that's the thought uh people say things like oh you know the way they get out in transition the game's going to be slowed down they say oh yeah they get a lot of offensive boards a lot of you know hustle stats but everyone's going to hustle a lot more in the postseason so that's going to be you know um, negated a little bit well taylor jenkins says we've been good at these things all season we're going to keep you know, fine-tuning them and getting even better at them. That's his perspective. He doesn't look at it like that. But with that being said, the Timberwolves, from a stylistic perspective, play more similarly to the Grizzlies than the Clippers. And with that being said, the Cl- I mean, the Timberwolves like to get up and down. You know, this would be, for one, this would be a matchup of the top two scoring offenses in the NBA. So you got the number one scoring offense in the Timberwolves. You got the number two scoring offense with the Grizzlies. They're going to get up and down. They both like to get active with blocks, steals, uh, creating turnovers and things like that. And a guy like Anthony Edwards and, and, and you know, D'Angelo Russell and even Malik Beasley uh, getting those transition three-point shots. Uh, they like to get up and down just like the Grizzlies. The thing is, 
you get up and down with the Grizzlies, you're playing right into their hands. The Grizzlies want to run, and they're going to run regardless. I think that matchup just – the Grizzlies will feel more at ease, Sean. It'll it'll be like, okay, this is what we've been used to. Let's, let's just play our brand of basketball, and we're going to win. You play the Clippers, Ty Lue is going to throw these funky looks at you, and you, he's probably going to start off a guy like Paul George on John Moran. And he's going to switch it up and put Nicholas Batoon on him. And, and then he's going to switch up and play probably, you know, a boxing one or something on Desmond Bank. Like they're going to throw all these different looks at you because they're able to, right? When you got all these long defenders and you, you're able to do, you know, some weird things that other teams just can't do because they don't have the physical attributes. Uh, the long six eight six nine defenders and the rim protectors that a team like the Clippers are able uh, to have, and they're battle tested uh, more than anything. That series last year against the Suns in in the Western Conference Finals, uh, they went toe to toe with them. They beat the Jazz. The Jazz were the number one seed uh, last season, and they had their way with, minus Kawhi uh, in those last couple games. So. Uh, with that being said, I think, I mean, that's the team that I think presents the bigger challenge more from a scheme scheme perspective than anything. I just think that the Timberwolves, they're going to play it right into the Grizzlies' hands. They're going to try to get up and down, and the Grizzlies are going to say, this is just the way we want it to be. And the other thing that stands out based off who wins tonight's matchup is that, in my opinion, Whoever wins tonight's matchup, it results in the bigger it results in a different X factor coming up in the series starting Saturday. If Minnesota wins, to me, the X factor is absolutely Dylan Brooks. Because if Minnesota can do an effective job of at least limiting Jaw for, for much of games, having Dylan Brooks back as a second as a second or third scoring option, if John Morant's not at his best, it's going to open up such an opportunity for the Grizzlies to remain able to have enough balance to win these games. But the other key point is. Dylan Brooks' ability to show different looks at D'Angelo Russell or Anthony Edwards based off who he's guarding, taking them away as supporting options for calling Anthony Towns, that's going to be a huge difference. Plus, Dylan overall just absolutely feasts on Minnesota throughout his career. So in the Minnesota, in the case of Minnesota, Dylan Brooks becomes your X factor. In the case of the Clippers, Jaron Jackson Jr. in four games versus the Clippers this year, 22 points, eight rebounds, three three or two, two or three blocks, two or three threes a game. Just absolutely one of the best teams that he's played against in terms of his overall performance. And again, the Grizzlies, I think their strengths also play well against the Clippers. But Jaron Jackson, being a guy who can be a defensive anchor on defense, plus a guy who can hit some threes on offense. So I think that it differs the X factor. If it's Minnesota, your X factor is Dylan. If, if it's the Clippers, your X factor is Jaron. But it once again goes to show how deep the Grizzlies are, but how important it is that every one of those depth pieces stand up regardless of who the opponent is. Yeah, it just piggyback off of that point, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr., I mean, a lot of these teams that they're going to see that play these wings, we just talked about how the Clippers play all these long six, eight wings across the board. The way to to take them out of that is Jaron Jackson Jr. You got a 6'11 forward. He's going to be playing the four, and you give him the ball, and he can go off the dribble. He can, you know, just shoot over the top of these guys, and they'll bring another guy out there that's bigger, and they'll and they'll have to stop, you know, playing that way against against this team. So you have that, whereas uh, Jared Vanderbilt, he what, what he lacks in height, he's he's very physical. He's a super athlete, and he's one of the better rebounders, you know, at the four position. So I can see I can see that point for sure. 
But um, I think, I mean, we've said it time and time again. Either way it goes, uh, they're going to be playing a really good team. And But at the same time, either way it goes, they're going to be favorite to beat whoever they play. Uh, Sean, I'm going to sit back tonight and uh, going to get some popcorn and and probably kick the lazy boy chair out and, and you know, just, just see uh, who, who's going to win this game. Um, my Braves have been disappointing me lately, so I'll, I'll definitely turn my Braves uh, off to tune into this one uh, with the way we've been playing lately, Sean. Absolutely. That's why we're Grizzlies fans, right? The Braves win the World Series last year. They're struggling right now. It just is an omen that the Grizzlies are going to win a world championship this year. But of course, tonight it is a big game in terms of the Grizzlies. Without a doubt, as Michael said, regardless of who wins, I want to make a point very clear as we wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Grizzlies podcast. You've got good teams that are playing tonight. Despite the fact that they're, you know, maybe playing for the chance to make a playoffs, you've got a good team that's going to be coming to Memphis on Saturday with a good coach. Finch and Lou, both, in my opinion, are top six, top seven coaches in the coach of the year setup this season. So you're going to have a very tough opponent regardless. But that's the great thing about the Grizzlies. With all the stuff that they've been through this season and how well they have succeeded, they are prepared to play whoever you look at. And we're not sitting here saying, that it's just because of or just because of Jaren that the Grizzlies should have the upper hand. In the case of who the Grizzlies will be playing, it's legitimately worth claiming the Grizzlies are the better team. We haven't been able to say that in a while. So regardless of who we're going to play, it's going to be an opportunity to covet. And I'm sure the Grizzlies are going to make the most of their opportunity. My name's Sean Coleman. His name is DeMichael Cole. And I'm pointing at my shield here. His his name is Demi- uh, I'm done. His name is DeMichael Cole. DeMichael, what else do you have for us? Obviously, a lot to look forward to when it comes to the playoff matchups. I'm sure that you got some things lined up over the commercial appeal. Yeah, we, we, when we get into this series, uh, we're gonna we're gonna break down some 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 really uh, good stuff, and it's 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 gonna be a lot of work. It's not just gonna be me um, bringing the whole team out, you know, for this series. Uh, Mark Giannato, our columnist, Evan Barnes who was, you know, the um, interim beat writer for the commercial appeal, you know, on the Grizzlies earlier this season. Uh, he's going to be tag teaming alone as well. And we got a lot of good stuff coming. I mean, from game breakdowns, we're going to do the predictions. You know, everyone, when you get to the playoffs, everyone's big on predictions. So we're going to we're gonna bring out the predictions. We're going to have some fun, Sean. That's the point of it. And listen, I know that there are a variety of things that could happen. And, and don't get me wrong. There's a there's a possibility things may not work out for Memphis this year as they want to, but that's the whole thing about it. This team has earned every opportunity to play loosely, to play as best as they can, knowing that the best version of themselves. At the end of the day, I mentioned it on yesterday's show to Michael. This, this is what I'll say at the end of the day. At the end of the day, what has gotten the Grizzlies to this point is believing in a system that puts everybody in the roster in a position to be the best versions of themselves. And from that, be the best version of a team they can be. That's all you can ask them to do. You can't ask them to play away from who they are. You've got to ask them to play the best that they can in the way that brings out the best versions of themselves because that's what's going to allow for them to consistently perform at their best. And whatever happens, it's worth being satisfied with. That's what we're going to see. So to all the naysayers who say the Grizzlies' style of basketball typically does not work in the playoffs, well, it's never worked the way the Grizzlies put it on because no one like the Grizzlies have done it before. So we'll see what happens, and we'll see how much faith the Michael has in it because I know, I know 
that he does not want to match up against me when it comes to playoff predictions. Just like to this point, he's chickened out of matching up against me in the game of one-on-one when it comes to NBA 2K 2022. DeMichael, do you have anything to say to that? I just want to say, Sean, Sean don't we, we don't want to uh, let the people know what would happen in a 2K matchup between us. I'm, I'm the greatest 2K player that you have ever seen in front of you. And I, you'd be lucky to make it to the third quarter. Let's 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 just say that. Wow. Wow. And then DeMichael just realized that there's something else other than rookie mode. My name's Sean Coleman for DeMichael Cole. It's a pleasure to be with you. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Thank you so much for being with us. Listen, we're having a lot of fun on today's show, but we're going to get right into breaking down every aspect of who the Grizzlies will be playing on Saturday. DeMichael, at the end of the day, who do you say the Grizzlies will be playing? I'm going to say the Clippers. I'm Paul George, big game. I'm going to say the Clippers as well, looking forward to it. And hopefully the Grizzlies will be able to know their opponent as soon as possible and can get to work. Hope you have a great start to your week. So much fun coming up this week leading up to the Grizzlies 2022 playoff pursuit on Saturday. For DeMichael Cole, my name's Sean Coleman. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.